0: Welcome to this Brewery Pro podcast, looking at beer testing and quality. Brews News ran a story last week detailing the concerning results of a pilot study by Queensland Health. The study saw an analysis of the ABV of 25 craft beers purchased in retail and compared the results to the ABV declared on the label. 80% of the samples fell outside the allowable variation. We understand anecdotally that these results have been replicated more widely in informal testing by other bodies. Following that story, BIRA, which stands for Brewing Interlaboratory Reference Analytes and is the brewing industry's not-for-profit testing scheme, issued a statement noting that as food and beverage manufacturers, compliance with labelling standards is critical, especially in such a sensitive area as ABV labelling, where there are real consumer safety issues at stake. The group encouraged brewers to participate in a scheme that works to improve the accuracy and reproducibility of analytical beer testing. We heard from a number of Bira members and others with a keen interest in market quality of beer wanting to discuss the issue, and what follow is the recording of a panel discussion with them. In addition to explaining the work of Bira, this conversation covers a wide range of issues around beer quality testing and its importance. I'm not sure if it needs to be said, but this is not a sponsored podcast and has been produced as an industry service by all involved. Hi, and welcome to this Brewery Pro episode looking at beer quality. My name's Matt Kirkegaard, and I'd like to welcome our panel uh, to talk about all things alcohol and uh, beer quality. Um, Welcome John Selton, head brewer from Brick Lane. Greg Howell, managing director of Vint Essentials, Dermino Mortar, quality and sustainability uh, manager for Endeavour Drinks, and we're hoping to also be joined by Claire Clouting, who's the operations and systems uh, manager at Gage Roads, to talk about all things. John... Perhaps over to you. Now, obviously, uh, we re- did a story on Monday um, looking at it, some tests that the Queensland Health Department had done. A- as a result of that, un- unsolicited, uh, the organisation that, uh, that you work for as well, the industry body that you work for, Bira, issued a statement. So maybe we can start with, uh, w- w- with what your response was to that story.
1: Yeah, sure, sure. So, working for Bira is a bit of a misnomer. Sorry, we're yes, actual, uh, yeah,
0: da, da. we're <laughs> actually
1: all uh, all volunteers. So, um, so we're it's a it's a small group that started a couple of years ago now, and um, and Greg and I were, were a couple of the founders, along with um, along w- with Claire from Gage Roads, um, Thomas from um, Stone and Wood, um, VB from Ben Young Henrys now Lalamont. Um, and, yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's not so much, a, say, a, um, a, a, an organisation as it is a, an association that's dedicated to proficiency testing, more or less. So, yeah. Um, look, when the, when the news came out on your website, um, yeah, it, it's exactly the sort of um, stuff that BIRA is interested in, right? The, the acronym BIRA it stands for the, the Brewing Interlaboratory Reference Analytes. It's a real mouthful. But uh, yes, it is. Pretty... We
0: struggle with that today.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's honestly a pretty simple um, kind of concept. You know, so so broadly, um, broadly what the association is about is promoting accuracy in um, in analytical testing inside brewing labs. You know, from um, very very small breweries to, to larger breweries as well. The idea is that um, essentially participation in a scheme like this um, uh, it helps it helps breweries understand their laboratory testing proficiency and it helps give confidence in the in the accuracy and the re- reproducibility of their results. Essentially, these schemes aren't new; they they exist in many industries um, and across the world for many many different types of kind of um, tests. Let's say, um, indeed, there's there's already kind of biggest established global schemes for beer testing it's um what what sort of started beer was the fact that these schemes tended to be quite quite expensive aimed at um, aimed at the capabilities of, of much larger brewers you know big international brewing groups and tended to be quite complex and a bit out of the reach of of smaller say independent or craft breweries and so yeah, a couple of us got together a few years ago and 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 kicked off this let's say this this lightweight or easier to administer and and certainly um, much cheaper um, proficiency testing scheme. And um, and since doing that, we've got a got a, a lot of buy in from you know from the craft beer industry, um, and 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 quite a few members now. So oh, and and Claire, um, Claire, our chair has just joined us as well on the call. I'm pleased to see.
0: Thanks for joining us, Claire.
2: No worries, sorry about
0: that. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. Now, Greg, uh, we, we've talked a little bit about um, Bira, but you were a founder, or you, you were involved in founding the uh, Bira, but it, it, it came from your background in doing a very similar thing for the wine industry, I believe.
3: There's an association called the Interwinery Analysis Group uh, in the wine industry that's been going for decades. And I mean, I, I was invited to be involved in Bira, and I, I appreciate that. Um, some of my team at Vintage uh, Central have been involved in the Interwarnery Analysis Group for many years. It's very sophisticated now, but it started off very similarly to what Beer is, you know, with a, a handful of people interested to improve the uh, analytical results from their members and with a small bunch of members. But the Interwarnery Analysis Group is now accredited. It's a, it's, it is actually an accredited proficiency program. They have an annual uh, day where they meet and have a trade exhibit uh, with guest speakers and I can see where beer I guess can can progress to we're small um, where it's taken a little while to get ourselves organized but the results that we get out are fantastic I mean the, the reports that we send out to our members I think one thing John forgot to mention is that it's actually all anonymous so when people get the, re, get the results. They see where they sit amongst the whole crowd who do the same test. Say, for example, ABV. They know who they are, but they don't know who anybody else is. But it's like a—it's um, actually called a Uden plot, but it's actually like a, a scatter diagram. And if you're all concentrated in the middle, you know that you're all pretty much accurate. And if you're on the outskirts, then you've got to look at what you're doing. And that's the whole design of the program. So, yes, you know, and it has worked very well in the wine industry. Um, the sorts of issues we're talking about in the craft brewing industry, I think we had them in the wine industry, but for various reasons, that's been cleaned up quite a while ago. Um, and I can see that we can help the, the craft brewers with the results, particularly APV, because it's a, a regulatory issue. Um, determinant and you know there's no reason why it won't improve as obviously the, the wine industry improve the way
0: they go as well. Dermot and mortar you know it is it, one of those issues I, I, the story that I wrote I wrote after two two and a half years of hearing anecdotally and becoming aware increasingly that you know bodies were testing and it was becoming a concern but you know, ultimately does this matter? Uh, well, if ABV is out and it doesn't meet the, the standard,
4: it, it does matter. Yes, Matt. Um, so, it, as Greg mentioned, it is a regulatory requirement that uh, the alcohol is accurate uh, within uh, zero plus or minus zero point three percent of what's put on the label. Outside of that, it's it doesn't meet the regulation, and we can't sell it
0: what does a uh, company like endeavor drinks do in, in in a situation like this you know if you become aware um, that somebody is out of spec uh, or consistently out of spec or do, do, do you test yourselves or would you test yourselves we'd verify it so we we would then
4: test and if we found that the verification the testing verified that the product didn't meet the, the label uh, yeah we'd have to remove it from shelf Uh Situations like that, you may be able to do relabeling and put the correct ABV on the label and the, I know also the, the correct standard drinks. But uh, yeah, it would just be, it, yeah, it, it wouldn't be a good exercise and it's not. it doesn't really show up well if you're supplying a drinks company uh, a beer and you can't measure your alcohol correctly
0: well and i guess that's the thing john selton i mean how does how does this sort of thing happen is it analyzing the alcohol uh, incorrectly or is it you know not hitting the target that you aim for
1: oh it can be it can be a range of different things you know i i think with lots of different new styles new raw materials innovative sort of brewing techniques um it it can sometimes be easy to lose sight of some of the some of the basics perhaps of getting some of these things right some of these some of these new techniques or new raw ingredients or brewing processes can intrinsically make it more difficult as well. Um, one of the ones that's been highly reported, I guess, in, um, you know, in Australia and in the US and sort of developed craft beer markets has been an issue of what brewers call hop creep. You know, it's essentially sort of over attenuation of, of beer um, in impact, um, you know, caused by, you know, very high dry hopping rate, introducing, um, let's say um, enzymes that um, create more fermentable sugar than what the brewers originally intended there to be in the product. The yeast get to work on that. Um, The ABV goes up. Um, These also tend to, become pretty apparent because they result in um, quite often in high pack pressures and you know exploding um, bottles or cans and um, you know this has happened in a couple of high profile cases in in say the us but you know there's I, you know there's there's so many different potential ways of getting there um, and and I guess it's incumbent upon brewers and breweries and um, to to ensure that they 've got controls in place to ensure that they're um, that they're compliant with all the the relevant sort of labelling standards, and to make sure that um, that that the beer that out, is out there in the in the big bad world um, goes out and remains compliant with um, ABV that's published on their labels.
0: And and I guess for me, and maybe I can point uh, throw this one to Claire. Um, for for me, I, I'm, given that packaging is generally pre-done, um, and you've got a target. ABV and a recipe that you're following you've got an idea of what you're shooting for some of these uh, you know in in fact 20% of these beers were almost a full percent out what should brewers be doing in 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 this case you know is it something that is as simple as uh, relabeling or you know should these be batches that aren't being put into market?
2: I think it's difficult for limited editions. So if you're just going to make that beer once and you're trying to pre-plan with your packaging, it is challenges. Sometimes it's not until you brew something in practice that you actually, you know, understand how far it's going to attenuate and what your outcome is for your ABV. I would certainly expect if it's a regular beer that's released that you should have consistency. Um, That's more about practice within the brewery and, um, you know, management of your curves, if you're not getting a consistent beer at the right ABB, but yeah, definitely, you know, I do hear of breweries that pre-print packaging and it can cause cause issues. Um, but I I think the long and short of it is if you're not going to be compliant to what's on your packaging, you, you can't pack, you can't proceed. You know, it's, there's too much at stake. Um, to, to proceed with that. So to, to what Dermot said, in some cases it is easy uh, to label, um, you know, an sticker. But certainly for us, like, we do really big runs. There's no way we could even contemplate stickering. It just wouldn't happen. But, you know, like big trees, you know, we, we're big enough and we're lucky enough to be able to um, inline pasteurize here. Um, and even a low level will knock out any of those fermenting yeasts. So, you know, against that i don't think there's
0: an easy answer in, in answer to your question apparently. okay so i mean yeah w- without knowing the cause of uh these uh variances one of the things that i've had uh you know communication since the article came out was well look we, we don't have the capacity to test we we can't afford the the equipment needed to test um I guess, firstly, is that a good enough answer? And secondly, is it a legitimate answer? You know, do you need expensive equipment to, to test? Greg?
3: I'm not sure which part of the question to answer first, but that there are very cheap and easy ways to get the testing done. And I'll put my commercial hand up here. I mean, that's what we do, vintage Central Laboratories. Uh, we use the brand name Ferment for our for our uh, brewing and spirit side of what we do. Um... But I think we charge twenty something dollars per alcohol test, uh, and people can send samples to us. Um, we offer the packaging for the sampling, we offer free postage, so it's actually very easy, and our turnaround time is saying on the next day. So it's quick and it's cheap, um, uh, and we've got four labs around the country. That's the end of the commercial side of it. But the, the point being is that there are places you can go to and get it done quite cheaply. Um, If you want to do it yourself, it isn't necessarily that easy uh, if you're a small player. Uh, There are expensive instruments on the market that are very accurate, which is what we use. Um, But if you want to do it on the cheap, uh, you normally sacrifice accuracy, um, and that's part of the issue. Um, So it really depends on the size of the brewery, um, whether they can afford a a decent instrument for doing it. If you're a very small one, um, then... That's part of, part, of the,
0: of, part of the problem. One of the things that brewers say is that they can't afford the expensive equipment. So, you know, I, I, I guess even having an expensive alkalizer, or investing in an expensive, doesn't mean that you're guaranteed the, the test results anyway, because my understanding is that um, testing laboratories should be certified because it's, there is a rigor around testing.
3: I mean, we're, our labs are NATA accredited. Uh, we get audited every 18 months by the. And NATA standard.
0: is, for, for those who don't know.
3: Okay, we, we are accredited to an international standard, ISO right. 17025. And the Australian organisation who does that, the regulator, is NATA, N A T A, National Association of Testing Authorities. Um, and if you get a certificate, a lab certificate from a NATA accredited lab, you can be sure that that, that is accurate. Part of what we have to do as a NATA accredited lab is every instrument that we use, we've got to calibrate it and we've got to verify that it is actually giving us accurate results. And there's various ways you can do that using standard materials. I mean, we calibrate the NIR instruments daily. Uh, We've got to record that. We've got to keep all that data for five years. We're open for audits at any time for that sort of thing. That's the level you've got to go to if you want to be an accredited laboratory. It's very easy to be sold an expensive instrument. It's actually not necessarily that easy to use it and be sure that you're getting it right. I mean, this is part of what um, why you would join a proficiency program like BERA because we are there um, to help people to understand if they are actually getting it right, even if they have got an expensive piece of equipment. And we're also there. I mean, we're, we're you know, practitioners and we're very happy to give people advice on how to improve their systems. So that's what beer is really there to, to help people to improve that side of things.
1: From the brewery side, yeah, like like you said, it's, it's, it's very easy to, 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 well, it's not very easy, it's very expensive to buy <laughs> these bits of um, kit. But then, yeah, they do need to be maintained, calibrated, verified, and and even then, you know, the the, the reason we're also keen to start error and to get it up is even then you can have sort of let's say systematic error in your process. You can be doing the the same thing wrong every time and producing very consistent results, and your verification showing it up. and And, and proficiency testing schemes are great because that's when those errors start to become a little bit more obvious. Let's say you know, so it, it's part of you know these three kind of. Um, a lot of labs have these three sort of pillars to their their instrument maintenance or assurance sort of programs you know and um, yeah that that that's the kind of the purpose of what of what Bira does I, I'd also add to Greg's point that that there are there are a number of other ways of measuring ABV right you know there's other other reference methods such as um, distillation followed by density measurement and um, other 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 techniques that they they can be cumbersome and they require expert operators and people who are trained but but not necessarily crazily expensive they can take some time to do but they're they're well within the reach and and technical knowledge generally of most smaller most smaller brewers um yeah the 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 um the question of whether or not should be you know it should be table stakes i think that's it's largely a given, I reckon, from most people in the in the industry. I'd be surprised to, I've, I've sort of, I'm, I'm surprised to hear that comment, um, Matt. And I've certainly never heard anyone um, in my professional career who's who's mm. had um, similar comments. You know, I, I can't think of a brewer who would who would ever um, admit something like that. You know, most people do strive for accuracy and take their craft incredibly seriously, and their 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 um, uh, responsibility towards not just the regulators, but just the responsibility to their customers and their consumers to, to, um, to be truthful in what they're selling and, to be selling a a consistent safe product and selling what they say they're selling. Um, So I I, I am, I got to admit, I'm surprised to, surprised to hear it. And I I think it's probably a fairly minority view. I'd certainly hope.
0: Well, I I would hope that it's minority, but then again, (laughs) when you see some of the responses to the exploding cans is, well, we told you to keep it refrigerated. I, I think there is an element in the industry that, you know, we make the best beer that we can.
1: Yeah, I think I think the conciliary is. I think the other side is we're we're maturing as well as an industry, right? And there's there's more and more professionalism and um, and more and more skills and knowledge in the in the craft brewing industry. Um, and and I think it's evidenced by things like. You know participation in proficiency testing schemes. You know we've got we got you know um, a fair few breweries in the country now. You wouldn't I, I don't um, you'd know a lot better than I would of how many exactly, Matt. But um, you know here is a small group. We're we're just shy of 25, I think. But but those those 25 labs involved are all the largest in the country and and all the larger craft breweries representing. I've never actually done a tally of you know of. Um, uh, what um, say fraction of um, beer produced comes through this scheme, but I'd say, you know, guess it likely well over half. Um, it, you know,
0: some of the larger breweries, and I guess that's one of the things. So, I mean, just I might just step back because it took me a long time as a non brewer and a non science um, background person to really get my head around beer or was. And the way that Greg explained it to me is that. Um, as a group, you send out a standard sample to all of the participating uh, breweries. They test it with the method that they would test their own beer um, and send in the results that they've derived, and then those are plotted on the on the scatter chart. So you know which number result you are, no one else does, so that's anonymized. But then you can see how you're testing, the accuracy of your testing, how it compares compared to the other members of the group. So it's essentially a way to test your testing capability.
1: Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, Yeah, there's a whole bunch of statistical smarts that go on in the background as well. And I'm no statistician, you know, luckily we got um, people in the group who are uh, way cleverer than me on it. But um, yeah, the the method that's used for testing and the, the plots that we produce and the reports that we produce are really easy to interpret they sort of show how far you are away from what we call the assigned value the kind of the source of truth more or less expressed in standard deviations right and you can see quite quickly and quite easily in a way that's super easy to interpret uh your distance from the rest of the cohort in terms of your accuracy and and because of the way we use these yeah these Yorden plots as, as greg was talking about they're sort of a a way of um they're specifically done for these um, proficiency testing schemes that they make it quite clear as well the nature of your error whether it's something let's say systematic you know something that you're doing the wrong way each time or whether it's something more random the scheme itself is um, yeah I got to reiterate it's not it's not for big sophisticated labs you know with um, uh, multi-millions of dollars of instruments and dedicated lab staff um, you know it can be it, it's it's meaningful and useful for uh, you know literally every brewery out there it's um, it's cheapest chips. It's um, in fact, if you want to just buy beer to drink, it's probably cheaper to, to buy it through Beera um, <laughs> to, um uh, than it is to go to the the local shops. It's basically it's like I say, run by volunteers. The beer is largely donated, um, and yeah, these standardized samples are sent out for analysis. We all compare our results in this nice anonymous way, um, and over time, the 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 idea is that um, it helps people identify gaps in their process. You know, we said. You know, we set a sort of some KPIs in our lab. Are set around uh, attaining certain what's called yeah z scores difference to the assigned value um, um, in Bira, You know, specifically. So everyone who works in our lab here are really um, they take it extremely seriously
0: and um, and and pay a, a good deal of attention to it. And it only costs one hundred and fifty dollars a year for memory. Yeah, it's one
2: hundred and fifty dollars for four rounds. So we do one a quarter. And I think it's worth saying as well, even if you calculate your ABV, you can join in. So, you know, we'll provide um, everything you need to be able to join in to calculate it. Uh, and we have people using, you know, cheaper alkalisers like the Alex 500. Um, we've, got, we've got a few different methods all the way up to using, you know, top of the range alkalisers. So um, yeah, it's really good from that perspective. And also, um, you know, each quarter you're sent two samples. So you get a sample A and a sample B. So if you do get, you know, to John's point, you know, it does help identify what the kind of issue is because your sample A might be in but your sample B might be out or they might both be low, they might both be high, you know, and it, it gives you a good indication of, of what the issue is.
0: Am I correct in saying that it will give breweries confidence in their testing results? Um, like it won't fix Quality problems in the brewery won't fix the things that may be sending the beer out of spec, but it will give you confidence in your ability to test your own beer.
3: Absolutely. That's exactly what it's designed to do. And I think it's worth also mentioning, we've only talked about ABV, that at last count we offer, I think it was either eight or nine different tests. So you can you get the beer, you test whatever you want. So there's bitterness, colour, pH... CO2, you can do as many or as little or as few as you want on that one sample. The other thing is often there's enough sample left over and what we do in our labs is we keep those samples and then we use them as what we would call a standard material. So we can always go back and check, use them to check that what we're we're doing is uh, still spot on because we know what the value from that particular uh, beer sample is. So... It's, it's it's much broader than what we've been, you know. First indicator. So, yes, um, for 150 bucks for four rounds, it is actually great value. Some of these guys like Claire, you know. Uh, no, I'm probably not meant to mention you, but um, some of these um, some of these breweries donate all the beer, um, and so it's a, currently it's a very cheap to run. I mean, when we get to hundreds of members, we it may be dearer to run, and we may have to buy some. But again, it's still a very cheap way to get. To understand that your lab results are good
2: yeah just for we used to be part of a proficiency program out of the uk and um it was 10 times the cost of beer easily so um and it didn't always include crap beer <laughs> it was quite often like your mainstream lagers and and ales so you know when um, when we got together all those years ago to put this together it was very much with the intent of making it and building it around the craft industry you know making it affordable so that everybody you know inclusive so that everybody could be involved
1: the the nature of some craft products you know or um, make them slightly difficult or slightly different to test perhaps than um than you know uh, mainstream lager beer you know so it's um uh, you know, uh, we contend with hazes. Uh, um, you know, different different density ranges, different alcohol ranges than what you typically find in in some of the the products in these international large proficiency testing schemes. So it's a little bit more localized as well, and it really it does matter because you know you don't just. Um, tip a bottle of beer into one of these instruments and it spits out a number you know there's a lot in sample preparation and in um, the training of the people who are running these these processes as well and and some of those things are really specific to the the types of beer that are being produced.
0: Claire just out of interest um, at Gage Roads how do you test and how often do you test?
2: We we have got one of the more expensive alkalizers um it is oh, it's got to be coming up to at least 12 years old now we just we take care of it <laughs> you know we're trying to as long as we possibly can because they are expensive. Um, we test um, all the way through the ferment obviously and then um, into bright beer tank and then the start of every run so we test it in package. Uh, we also test the last package as well so we're doing it quite frequently here um just because we're doing such huge runs as well you know compared to sunbury so we might do you know might do a run of 20 30 000 single fin cartons and so you know you want to make sure before you embark on that kind of volume that everything is tickety-boo and also you know, where we're lucky as well is you're know, going back to you know john talking about attenuation and various things is we have often got more than one batch and then we're blending them together so that gives us lot of benefits with regards to manipulating the um, ABB so I really do feel for the smaller breweries it is it is difficult and also I think you know one of the things um, we've talked about here as well as risk assessment you know when we're going to run a beer and we're going to do something new we might incorporate fruit or recently we used tea in a beer we, we really sit down and think about how that might affect the final product, what the likelihood is to get, you know, post-packaged fermentation, you know, what that's going to do. I think you can't underestimate, particularly using fruit and things that are going to contain sugars, really thinking out the process before you pack pack that beer into a can.
0: It's, it's funny that you say that because that's one of the things, speaking to brewers who work for multinational breweries for want of a better term you, you speak to them and you know they're often the fingers pointed at them for not being innovative um and but when you speak to them you know they can't just go down to the local farmers markets and buy a bag of finger limes um, or go to the grower can i have x kilos of finger limes because they want to test them all for exactly that reason
2: yeah absolutely you know and that's and, and that doesn't fit in with their business model um uh, it's really important that our industry is creative and that's what brings so many people into independent beers. Like it's such a vibrant, exciting space. Um, I think where we have to be aware of is when you put something into a can, it's a whole lot different than caving something and serving it at your venue because it's really difficult to capture that product back or manage it when there's an issue. And obviously, um having secondary ferment in a can is a lot more of a safety issue than you know. Picking up that your keg in your venues, obviously getting some some funky notes or you know, you know that's a lot more manageable. And so that's why for me, you know, the main the first step that anybody should be taking or any company is really risk assessing and thinking very carefully about the product they're going to make, the risks associated with it, and then what mode of packaging or how they're going to deliver that to the consumer safely before you do anything else. I think that should be. Should be the first
0: point of call. John, I, I might ask the same question to you. How do you test uh, at Brick Lane and how often do you test?
1: Yeah, very, very similar to Claire. So um, yeah, we, we we test a b. Well, we test a lot of things all the time. It feels like, and um, I I generally see the the thing I've been doing battle with. I, I see all the bills for all the uh, for all the fancy new instruments that our. <laughs> that our so it's been a. Um, this this week's been an expensive one, actually. Um, but yeah, um, when it comes to ABV, very similar to Clear. um, Yeah, we 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 test um, all the way through fermentation. We test green beer prior to prior to filtration. We test bright beer, and that's sort of like a um, the, the the let's say the release test to packaging. We test the first cans off the line to ensure that they're um, that they're in spec. And then we test the, the last cans and, and finished goods as well. We just sort of have a, a sampling process where we, we get a bunch of finished goods into our workflow at the end of the week as well and, and test those. But a whole bunch of these are really time bound as well, you know, and and, and, and represent hard gates for us. So, for example, a beer, you know, um, just simply won't be released to the packaging department unless it's it's in specification in the bright tank. Um, likewise, the filler won't run unless the first, um, first packs um, off the filler are are in spec in abv as well but um yeah look speaking to colleagues at um at larger let's say international brewers as well um they've seen it all you know and there can be amazing things you'd think that with all that um safety net there with all those tests that we that we do run that certainly we we make it um impossible or or very unlikely for anything bad to happen but um if you speak to anyone who's had long careers in beer there's there's all sorts of things uh, that, that, that can go on. And so that's why I think quality systems are, um, you know, in a systematic approach to it are kind of um, are so critical. The risk clearly goes up a lot the more you make, you know, if if you are making um, a pallet of cases um, or, or hand bottling a certain amount of bottles um, and you're, you're more or less in control of them, um, you still have a, you know, both a legal and I'd sort of say a, you know consumer obligation to getting it right you know just as much as the big guys do but obviously the cost of getting it wrong um goes up exponentially as well um contingent on your size and that's that's why you tend to find the, these nicer bits of kit and these very skilled people to run them in larger breweries because those companies understand the cost of getting it wrong
0: now if i was a small hopefully there are small brewers listening to this chat and if i was one of them um you know i guess gauge and proclaim are two of the bigger um, craft breweries in in the country and you've got the luxury of those uh uh you know, alkalizers um and, and you can have that constant testing if but you've also worked for much smaller breweries what was your approach when you were working for them yeah look it wasn't it wasn't dissimilar
1: um to tell you the truth we didn't have as many nice things and we didn't have sort of the let's say the 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 people whose job it is just to run them and become real amazing experts at it that um but certainly, any any um, any brewery I've ever been at has always understood, I guess, the the importance of this. The fact that it's just a non negotiable. Really, it's a it's a legal requirement, and it's a you know it's a requirement to to it's sort of even. A, I think about it almost as an obligation to peers in the industry as well to get it right. You know what I mean? Like it does, can can undermine. Um, you know the the legitimacy, I guess, of all the hard work we do in craft beer to to make sure that everyone knows that it's it's um it's good and quality and something you can trust.
0: Can you explain how you did test when you didn't have all of the nice uh, bells and whistles?
1: You know, at the very smallest, I've worked in in, in li- really tiny little breweries in the past and and medium sized ones as well, and and um we 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 went um and used um for, for say normal style beers, we'd often do um calculated um, ABVs, like Claire was talking about, where we measure, say, density change of a product um, over time. And, um, and if there were products that we were doing all the time, we'd sort of, we trust that as a way of doing it and verify it against a reference method, which we we use um, distillation as the reference method. Quite often and quite quickly, I realised that it's a bit of a false economy and the amount of time it took us to do this and setting these things up and running these tests, it was it tended to be much easier to get someone like Greg to, to help us out with it, because the um, you know they're the busy places and the cost is really so low in comparison to your time and 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 effort in doing it yourself. Um, so we we do a combination of let's say in the very small places um, calculated ABVs verified internally with um, a reference method, usually distillation and density method density measurement of the of the distillate, uh, and and then we'd often also do external verification. It's not uncommon to to have. Um, even smaller breweries that maybe don't maintain quality systems, but say big quality systems to, to still be audited on these things, you know, by say um, uh, local food authorities, local, local government um, food authorities, or in the case of, um, of your story about Queensland by Queensland health. So this is all, all by, by customer groups like German, you know, and, um, and the like. So it's not, a, it's not a, it's not an uncommon thing to have to face and, um, and um uh, you know, I think even the smaller breweries have a number of number of methods there. Yeah, from the old school kind of, let's say, yeah, distillation and density me- measurement to to looking at gravity shifts and applying a formula. Um, but but always, it's just it's just so cheap and easy as well to get some external ver- verification through a through an NADA accredited lab, and then also to verify your own methods by participating in in something like beer in a proficiency testing scheme that. Um, if you, if you get those things if you get those things right you you've got more confidence I guess in your in your um in the accuracy of your results.
2: I, I come across quite a few breweries that um the sent places like Greg's um, or you know even they'll they'll pop in here and we'll check it out so that you know they can keep an eye on how they're going. But it's important to trend as well and that's one of the beauties of if you're a member of Beera or even if you're sending them off site, you need to keep a record of those and just map out where where you're traveling you know rather than just treat them as a one-off and then forget about it if it complies because that's the beauty over time you'll see how accurate you are and if there's any kind of pattern you know like you're regularly going over then you know you'll be able to pick up on that.
0: Dermot was there anything that you wanted to add I'm just conscious of the time um for for a podcast like this we're obviously not going to be able to go train people how to do this testing it's, it's really just overviewing it but is there anything that you want to add to the discussion
4: yeah i um, i suppose just i want to voice my support uh for bira uh, i think it's uh, it's it's such a, a great service that they're giving to the industry um the more i'd love to see more brewers get on board uh, i think for the price if you look at 150 dollars for the year A withdrawal for one of our stores is seventy-eight dollars. If you have to pull from one store, so um, you know, get work it out for the number of stores you're in. Um, It it does add up, unfortunately, but that is the price of a a withdrawal for the 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 cost that actually um, to cover us in executing it. Um, but back to you know, just getting it right. It, it, It just the fact that we're looking at something so I don't know so mandatory and yet we have a question over it it's just it does baffle me a bit so I think uh, you know I'd like to see this issue um, you know hopefully it's not as big as it's uh, from the testing so we'd like to get some more background on that and understand it a bit more but um, I think going forward you really want to see uh, anybody that has a concern about their capability there, reaching out to the guys at Bira and uh, getting involved in it. You know, over time they're gonna, the first couple of samples that they're gonna submit, they'll they'll learn where they stand. And if you if you're not if you're not cutting the mustard, it's uh, it's a good wake up call then to um, figure out how you do do it correctly and and then continue working with them. And I think that's kind of you know to Greg's point, that's where the wine industry was what 10, 20 years ago. 20 years ago, Greg, yeah. Um, so you, you build the capability up and then suddenly, you know, the, it, it comes and the industry does improve. And I think then, you know, beer is, is that enabler for this. Greg, anything else you'd like to
3: say? Yeah. Um, there, there was one point that um, probably isn't the right part of the conversation, but we're talking about regulations here and meeting them correctly. The, the other thing that um, certainly we've seen in the wine industry is the standard drinks legislation. And if, you have, if you've if you got a standard drinks statement on your package, that's, okay, say you, you say there's 1.4 standard drinks in it, that purely comes as a calculation from your ABV. So if you've got your ABV wrong, you've got your standard drinks statement wrong, and that's a real concern from a, a health and safety point of view from a consumer. So that's another, it's a different regulation obviously and a different uh, regulator. But it's, a, it's another important aspect of it. But it's again totally related to the accuracy of your ABV measurements.
0: Terrific. Any last comments from anybody? I'm just very conscious that uh, we're coming up to 45 minutes. So, John, yes. I'd have one super
1: quick one, and um, it's a bit of a spanner in the works right at the end of the conversation. But there's there's also there's also a point. Claire Claire's already made it. I'll just I'll just reiterate it that that quite likely, you know, um, these beers were great and probably compliant with their labels when they left the brewery, right? And, and so fully understanding, I guess, the risks of um, the formulations of your products before they go out there and, and how those products will change over time. Is important also you know that that's particularly the case nowadays when there's say a lot of different types of novel yeast strains out there a lot of different types of um, um, uh, processing techniques a lot of um, uh, additives or adjuncts that can be used to say flavor or modify the beer in some fashion or another um, you know but before going down the path you know understanding the stability of the product as well and and understanding that you know you're not you're not in control of it and expecting a a a, a customer or consumer to, to keep it refrigerated the whole way is, is also not really the, the right answer, you know, and not really a realistic and, and um and honest way of approaching it really. Um I think is an important thing as well. You know, it's um beer can be very accurate and can get the breweries and its participants whipped into excellent shape, you know, in their in their measurement. But also um, need to be thinking about um, yeah the stability of the beer once it leaves the brewery as well, so it doesn't so it doesn't come back in the future.
0: I'll link to beer obviously for anyone who wants to to find in the show notes. I'll uh, also link to you, Greg uh, at Vin Essentials. Is there any other um, resources that we should be letting people know? We are going
2: to be working. The IBA is going to start putting together some documents and um, items for, for the members on the member section of the website. So keep your eyes posted for that. And um, I think also we've got a quality mashup um, virtual one plan for around the 20th of April, um, which we're probably going to talk a little bit more about this and a bit more into the techniques, options available
0: good okay well and we'll certain we can certainly uh put a link in the show notes once if you could send me through a link to the event um when the the mashup is done and we can certainly help uh promote that and feature it as an event on on uh the the, the website and through our newsletters terrific well claire john dermot and greg thank you very much for joining at very short notice it was and and thank you john for uh for for prompting this discussion thanks all thanks man see you guys You can download a full transcript of this conversation with links to other information in the show notes to this episode. Brewery Pro content is presented by Brews News and is designed for the brewing industry professional. If you have any suggestions for topics that we can cover, email us at cheers at brewsnews.com.au. Thank you for listening.